Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you on this beautiful Thursday. I'm starting off this episode with talking about a major sport topic that a lot of people wanted my sport takes on. So here you go. Former Houston Texans quarterback and current Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has been accused by 24 women for sexual assault and misconduct all being massage therapists while requesting to, you know, receive a massage by 24 different women. During his time in Houston as their starting quarterback, he was accused in late of 2020, early 2021, after requesting to be traded from the Houston Texans back in 2021 due to organizational and team disagreements, as Deshaun Watson at that time was promised to have roles and have says and a lot of things within the team and the promise did not fulfill itself, did not fulfill itself, so he pretty much, you know, Say, you know what, forget this, I am out of here. I guess you could say the final straw between him and the Houston Texans was when they did trade away DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals. The same year they signed A.J. Green, so I believe it was a three-year deal after he was released or not re-signed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um... Accusations did come out once again as he was the cube quarterback of the Texans, but at that time he did request to be traded. He did agree, though, to settle with at least 20 out of 24 of his accusers who's accusing him of sexual assault and misconduct. Um, But there was also a weird report that came out, according to the New York Times, that Watson's number of accusers have increased to 66 women accusing him of sexual assault and misconduct. So, we're not even sure of the number of people that are accusing him. These numbers are just pretty much all over the place. Um, According to U.S. Today's reporter, Brent Schutenberg, hopefully I pronounced his name right, He quoted, you know, something that Deshaun, you know, Watson's lawyer pretty much came out and said after the settlement. And I quote, today I announced that all cases against Deshaun Watson, with the exception of four, have settled. The attorney, Tony Busby, has said in a statement, we are working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we have done so, those particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of settlements are confidential. We won't su- we won't comment further on the settlements or those cases. Pretty interesting. Obviously, some people feel that if you settle, that means you have some type of guilt. But it can be 50-50. You know, you could be guilty of something, if not all that they're accusing you for. And there's just not enough evidence, which is why it was not took into court. Or just maybe, you know, you're like Deshaun. You just want to focus on football. You want to get back to playing football. You want to do what you're getting paid to do and what you love. And that's just that. 
you know, you're Deshaun Watson. You want guys to pretty much forget about this as much as they can. But unfortunately, he's scarred for life. Regardless of how good or how bad this play out for him, he's scarred for life. Because there's taken from a Steeler fan who had to deal with the crap with Ben since, you know, 2010. He's forever going to be labeled as a rapist. I'm not saying that he is. Um, I don't really have no thoughts on the case because there's not enough evidence for me. I don't feel to pretty much comment my personal opinion except for the part that it will play in the NFL and, you know, within the Houston Texans organization along with the Cleveland Browns organization. Which leads me to the question that I feel like a lot of people are just throwing under the rug. Which is, what role does the Houston Texans play in this? Because it's just funny how a player comes out, alright, and says, I want to be traded. Now all of a sudden, here come all these accusers, you know, massage women, accusing him of sexual assault. So, it's either... This was set up by the Houston Texans, by people who worked for them or whatever... And now they're just doing everything in their power to frame Deshaun Watson as much as they can to a bad reputation. Or this is something that's been happening the entire time while he was with the Texans. And they were just constantly keeping it under the rug until he no longer wanted parts with them. Which is when they decided to let it all out. It's one or the other. But there is just no way. That all of this happens under the Houston Texans organization and under their nose. And they don't know anything. And the fact that their ownership and, you know, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, is not even forcing them to get involved in this is just utter BS. I understand that he was traded to the Cleveland Browns, but here's the deal. This did not happen when he was in Cleveland. It's just now being solved and, you know, settling itself out as much as it can be while he's in Cleveland. These accusations happen, and apparently all of these events where he apparently assaulted these women, not saying that he did, but I'm basing it off of what was coming out and what he's accused of. You know, this happened during his time in Houston and it just decides to come out by itself or they decide to come out when he asked to be traded. Why is that? Why did the Houston Texans, you know, why did all of this come out just now when he wanted to be traded? Why wasn't it put out beforehand? This is where I question the Houston Texans. What do you know about this that you're not revealing? And then I'm also, you know, got questions, you know, because where's the Cleveland Browns in this situation? Where's Commissioner Roger Goodell? I understand you got a lot on your hands, but you do got to find a way to, you know, unfortunately for Deshaun Watson, regardless how I feel about him as a player, and he's a phenomenal player. I really like him. Um, He seems like a good person from a distance, but at the end of the day, I don't know him personally. And in this moment, don't really care to. Not saying that I don't care to meet him one day, but, you know, it's not important right now because that is not the facts or the stories that's coming out, which is why this topic is being brought up. It's the fact that, you know, many people are wondering what should the NFL do with Watson when it comes to punishment? Because here's the reality. Here's what people see. Ben Roethlisberger, former, now retired, you know, quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, was accused twice of sexual assault misconduct. 
he was eventually suspended for six games by the NFL, which got reduced to four games. So, if Ben, you know, got four games of suspensions for two accusations, just imagine now what somebody is possibly bound for as he is now facing, you know, let's just say 10 to 12 times more of that, you know, more of accusations against him. Unfortunately for Cleveland Brown fans, I don't see their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, playing a down this year or nearly the whole year. You know, the minimum I see Deshaun Watson getting getting is 10 games, but it's most likely going to be a year as reports already came out that they're looking to suspend him the entire season, which is, you know, sad but not surprising because... Let's face facts here. Regardless of how, if he is guilty or not, which in this case he isn't, because if he was, I don't see him escaping the state of Texas out of all states with 24 women accusing him of sexual assault and no charges be filed at all. All of this being said, it was just not enough for them to take the court, which is why, you know, he was not charged. But unfortunately, the NFL has to you know show make an example out of him what many people would can what many people would say and they're gonna have to suspend Watson unfortunately because you know it does look bad on their company it doesn't look good on Deshaun Watson or the Cleveland Browns organization nor anyone but I'ma just say that I see Deshaun Watson getting at least a year of a suspension, 10 games to a year. I don't see any, you know, any less than that. I just don't see it. Um, if he's going to miss majority of the season, if not the entire season with this, you know, with these accusations, which sad but true because it's 24 women accusing you and it doesn't look good on the NFL. It doesn't. So they're just going to have to keep their what many people will quote good reputation and lead and make an example out of you that this will happen when you get yourself into trouble. Now there's punishment. They may not punish you in the courtroom. Thank God. But guess what? Now we're going to have to drop the hammer because this looks bad on our company. And that's just the moral of the story of this case. So unfortunately for Mr. Watson, he will be suspended. You know, I'm predicting this is not came out yet, but this is my prediction. He's going to be suspended at least 10 to 12 games. They might extend it longer than that, but I see him being, you know, suspended 10 to correct me games to a year. And, you know, them going from there with that. I think that with all of this being said, after the 66, you know, women accusing him, if this true or not, according to the New York Times, um, I may have accidentally said the New York Post, I meant the New York Times, according to that, I just think that, you know, it's a wrap. Um, it's a wrap for all of that. I just feel like Deshaun Watson, you know, he'll be lucky if he play it down this year. Um, I think so. Uh, he'll be lucky if he plays a down this year. And that's just that with the situation. That's all I pretty much have for this segment. You can catch me in the next moment as I will be joined by Pete, who is 
you know, an NFL pro football reporter as he would join me for the next segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast. All right. See you the next segment with your host, May Shayla. And this has been the Mike Bomb Podcast. See you next segment as I will be joined by a special guest. Thank you. Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you for the second segment of this episode. I am now being joined by special guest Peter Holland Jr., who is a pro football Hall of Fame lead reporter for CantedReport.com. Pete, introduce yourself to the audience. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? <laughs> I think we're going Thanks good. Uh, no problem. Thank you for joining. All right, because there's been a lot going on within the NFL. Obviously, I just wrapped up the Deshaun Watson situation. Would you like to add more into that as we are, you know, going forward? Like, what do you expect his punishment to be from the, you know, from the NFL? Because I'm predicting 10 games to a year, but I could be a little more inaccurate with that. Um, it's, it could be up in the air. It, it, anything could happen at this point. Um, I think it, there might be a long-term suspension. I don't know if I can put a, put a number on it. It could be anywhere from 8 to 10, maybe up to the entire year. Just not only because, not because of the investigation, but it's more of, um, how much of, uh, how much of, um, a mass hysteria hit um, that NFL to go through. Um, so it's gonna, this really gonna depend on what the, if the NFL PA and the, um, the commissioner and what they all they feel is the best decision for the town Watson. So it, it's still up in the air where we don't know exactly will be the number, but um, I would expect will be a lot of long-term suspension. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately for Watson, uh, this just been, you know, a hot mess. Many will call, I will call throughout this entire series. Because, like, you know, I read from New York Times that he was first being accused by 66 women. Then all of a sudden the number just dropped back down to 24. So it's just very, you know, weird how the numbers are going up and down. And it's just going all over the place, you know. And... Unfortunately for the Cleveland Browns, they are in a weird position with Baker Mayfield because what are you going to do with him now that Watson's status is up in the air? Right. Um, it's, it's just crazy because the way the Browns roster is is um, built, they're a quarterback away, you can basically say. And I think that's why they feel that Deshaun Watson was worth the trouble. Because he was that dude, he was that talented. Because um, they got the, everything else is there from the running game, the, the wide receiver core. After adding Amari Cooper, the offensive line is going to be great, physical, um, and the defense they expect to be the number one in the NFL. Um, so they just need that quarterback, an elite quarterback of uh, Deshaun Watson to get him to um, get him through the hump, but. It might not likely be this year if um if it's a long term suspension. Yeah, um, you know, you're Baker Mayfield. You feel practically insulted because you were their first 
round number one overall pick in, you know, the 2018 draft. You came off a massive playoff victory versus Big Ben and the Steelers and Heinz Field. Obviously, the season didn't go as well as you thought with him being hurt. Um, Pittsburgh pretty much showing them that there's they're still the little brothers in the AFC North division. You know, you, you're you just torn because now it's like, okay, this supposed to be the year I'm supposed to get my long-term extension, and you just handed my money to a guy who hasn't played it down for you, even though on paper Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback. But still, you know, should Baker Mayfield feel insulted, and should he request a trade? Absolutely. If you're Baker Mayfield, I would definitely feel insulted. Uh, this you selected me number one overall. Um, I'm the one who got the Browns over that pl- that playoff drought, and I'm and he probably feel like he's gotten better. Um, and if it did, if he didn't get that shoulder injury, which is which is the claim that why he didn't play so well in the postseason last season, um, who knows? Um, but yeah, if you're big in Mayfield, I would definitely feel assaulted. And uh, it doesn't matter how it turned out. And this is like a major karma if things went left for the Browns. Cause, and just holding them hostage is just not going to do them any better either. But it's just really hard to want to find an open market team that's desperate for a quarterback at a short time with the contract with the contract he is, and um, wherever he goes, um, it will definitely be like a good, um, definitely be a good uh, place to start over from scratch and build a team around him that believes in him. So, um, whatever happens with Baker Mayfield, um, we, people will have mixed feelings about him, but you can definitely say that he definitely needs a fresh start for sure. Yeah, agree. Um, obviously, lose the Odell situation, Jarvis Landry departing and going to New Orleans, Odell departing, you know, conflict with Baker apparently not getting the ball enough, departing, going to L.A., winning the Super Bowl. So if you're Baker Mayfield, right, what team do you think should be swinging for the fences when it comes to Baker Mayfield? So right now, the team that only makes sense is the Seattle Seahawks because they're the team that you can't really say they have a secure number one starting quarterback when you have what Drew Locke and um, Geno Smith. Definitely. And those two duke it out. There's no way. You can't tell me Baker Mayfield's not better than either of them. So <laughs> he wants to, you got to go where you know that you, you're not only going to compete, but you could actually win the starting job. And I think the only team that makes sense right now is the LP time. Yeah, agree. Um, I think... You know, that's why a lot of, you know, Seattle Seahawks um, graphics were made with Baker Mayfield in it. You know, his jersey number, etc. So now, um, let's go on forward because as you are the lead reporter for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I believe it is. And, you know, obviously you know much about that. Did you hear any updates on who are we going to be watching in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this August be inducted? As in, who are we going to look out for? Yes, who's to look out for? Um, well, 
I can say this Hall of Fame class is definitely going to be great, interesting to watch um, with um, this year's class. I think, uh, well, we can just start with a list of guys that are going to be inducted this year. Um, Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Lori Butler, um, Art McNally, um, Sam Mills' family, because Sam Mills is no longer with us, may he rest in peace. Um, Richard Seymour, Dick Vermeil, and Brian Young. Um, those guys are going to be in this year's Hall of Fame class. Um, I think to me, um, when I look at this class, is definitely, definitely are, there were definitely the, definitely the guys that were in there have waited at least over 10 years. So they're the little guys that have, I've waited long enough, and just and I think that how the how the how the committee evaluates each of the candidates. Let you see, let's see who who's been in, who's been in the ballot for the longest now, waiting for their name to be called, and will they feel that fits their agenda? And it looks like and it looks like this that's what you see from this year's class, and definitely and it was very intriguing because there was just so many other talented. Um, finalists that were left off, and, and so that's what just makes it so interesting about this year's class. Yeah, because there's many that you know you can argue, like Heinz Ward, for example, is one guy who a lot of people like myself, other Steeler fans, you know, can't wait to see, you know, when he's in all of fame if he's if they ever gonna let him in, you know, and it kind of sucks that a lot of people who are more deserving just can't go. But speaking of Steeler greats that, you know, you couldn't go, you know, that, you know, is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I got to ask you about Troy Palomalo because to me, he delivered, if not one, but the best Hall of Fame speech I have heard in NFL history. And I could be a little biased here because I'm a Steeler fan and Troy's my all-time favorite Steeler. What was your thoughts when he was inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he gave his Hall of Fame speech defining what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Oh, man. Troy Palomalu, he's my era. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed watching Troy when he was a Steeler, man. Long hair, don't care. It could pop you in the mouth while he's in. He, he screams Pittsburgh Steeler defense when you think when you think about it. And it it was just great to see him inducted. He was—he definitely earned that, earned that right. Definitely got his flowers for sure. Um, so he just—he was pretty much what the trademark of what that defense is all about. That uh, basically what the division is all about. It's a team that will get physical and will punch you in the mouth. And uh, Troy Palomalu represents that. He and um, I really—he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, agree. So, out of all the Hall of Fame, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have wrote on, right? Out of all the classes you've heard about, all the classes you've wrote on, which one was your favorite and why? What's my favorite class? Yeah. Mm. Your favorite mm. class. Oh, man. I got to think about that a little bit. <laughs> Um, hmm, hmm. Okay, I'm going to make it easier for you. Which one was your favorite class within the past five seasons? 
Um. I will say. I will say one of my favorites was. I really did enjoy the Peyton Manning one. The Peyton Manning one was like 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. The Peyton Manning one was really good. Um, just, just because you. Obviously, Peyton Manning was clearly the the headliner, and I think his speech was remarkable. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorites. Um, the, the one that I could think of, I think of top of my head, just because of Peyton Manning, another guy in our era who Rob Gould definitely going to go out as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. And, and you, you just can't help but think about all the accomplishments and how much he impacted the league, just not, not just on the field, but just knowing his personality on television. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely, and you can see it with his speech, and it's just crazy how the generation just goes. It's now seen that um, his relative, Archman, is now going to be the next big thing coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy to think about it now. So definitely Peyton Manning for sure. Yeah, you know, obviously Peyton Manning, you know, was both of our times. I remember him watching him with my brothers, and I was pretty much, you know, happy to see him. I just hated when he played in my team because, well, I always had a competitive mindset. Vice versa with my brother Peyton. It's his all-time favorite player. Ray Lewis is his second. But speaking of, you know, Manning's and Hall of Fame, what is your take on Eli Manning possibly going? Do you think he is a Hall of Fame quarterback? Do you think he's a first ballot? And should he be inducted? Um, I don't think he, he'll be first ballot. Um, I don't know if he's already eligible right now or will he be eligible, but um, I don't think he'll be first ballot, but I think he definitely, definitely have a good case for him as a Hall of Famer just because you, know, you can just look at his stats and his productivity and say he's a Hall of Famer or whatever or not. But I'm, we're not going to even look at that because at the end of the day, production and stats and um, accolades, that's just going to get you to the door. I think with that, you just got to think of how many moments does he have. And Eli Manning has those Hall of Fame moments, and those are those two Super Bowl appearances that he had. Uh, from being the, the undefeated New England Patriots, for example, um, that game when he touched down, he threw the Mario Manningham, and, you know, Tons of, tons of memorable moments that he has that not many quarterbacks that don't even have or don't even have that um, have that um, success. So, especially when with Eli Manning going being part of a team that no one even thought that was going to play the Super Bowl or make make the run the Super Bowl after the way they finished. But um, yeah, I wouldn't, it would I wouldn't say he's the first ballot. But I would definitely, should, I definitely think that he should definitely be considered for a Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, you know, Eli, I grew up, I'm a diehard Steeler fan, so you know I'm a Roethlisberger lover. Obviously, Paolo Malo is my all-time favorite Steeler, but um, 
I am a New Jersey native, and, well, I grew up watching Eli as well. You know, you pretty much had no choice. Giants was the home team behind the Jets, so you knew who Eli was regardless whether you watched sports or not because New York, New Jersey forced you to know who he was, especially with the Super Bowl moments. So before I pretty much wrap up this segment, which player do you think should be eligible for the Hall of Fame next between Eli Manning, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and Phillip Rivers? Which one of these three do you think should be inducted first? Hmm. That's a good question. Of all of those three, um, hmm. I'm probably say, man, I I would probably say Big Bad. I'll probably go with Big Bad. <laughs> good choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're you are still a fan. Um, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, so I would say that Big Ben was probably the most had the most success out of the out of the three um, as a as a player, um, as a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl champ. Um, he's done a lot of great things for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That that is for sure that he's going to be an that he's an all time great that the Steelers might not see might not see ever again. Um, so yeah, um, I would definitely go with probably Big Ben. Um, probably um, all three of them definitely have a case but when Big Ben becomes eligible some will definitely will definitely make a case for him as maybe a first ballot yeah definitely Ben you know 18 consistent seasons non-losing record seasons that that right there can get you in alone let alone three Super Bowl trips and you know Two wins, and then he he arguably had the greatest touchdown pass in Super Bowl history with his, you know, when he marched 57 yards down the field, obviously caught San Antonio Holmes in the back end zone when a three-on-one situation threw the football and scored its game-winning touchdown. So I would just like to thank you for taking the time to joining me on this segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Peter Holland from com, where he is the Pro Football Hall of Fame lead reporter. Give this man a follow on Twitter at underscore the underscore pistol. You won't regret it. He would definitely be giving you more coverage as it goes on. Thank you, Pete, for joining the show. It was an honor to have you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was Peter Holland once again from Canton, you know, rep.com, where he is once again the Pro Football Hall of Fame lead reporter, and he's also in charge of the general assignments, which you can definitely look more up on him on their websites. You could give him a follow at underscore the underscore pet, you know, pistol where he will be giving you more sport takes and coverage. This is your host, May Shayla, you know, signing out for the second segment of the show. If you want to hear my takes on a topic that's been really buzzing on Twitter of why this upcoming season could be a doom year or what I would call a down year for the Bengals and explain finally to these Bengal fans why I believe their team will miss the playoffs this year. Keep tuning in to this podcast for more. See you soon.
Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, mate Shayla, kicking it at you on this, once again, this beautiful Thursday. It's now time to get started on a segment that I would like to call Cook 'em because for weeks and months, ever since I made my hot take, let's just say a certain team and its fans has been all up in my mentions, you know. Hopping in Twitter spaces, they weren't even letting me talk. They weren't even letting me fully explain myself. So, let's get started on this. Because I predicted that their precious Cincinnati Bengals are doomed for a down year this season. And they are not going to make the playoffs. Now, here's why I believe the Bengals are not going to make the playoffs. For all the smart-ass Bengal fans who's going to tune into this episode just to hear this. Here's why. Your organizational history, number one, is your organizational history with its inconsistency with winning. They've been having a habit of not playing up to expectations when eyes are on them and when everyone sees them coming. For example, let's give them a little backtrack history. You went 12 and 4 in 2015. 2016, the following season, you went 6-9. Then the following year, you went 7-9. Give me a break, Bengal fans. That was your precious team. Or I believe it was 6-10, 2016. Then you went 7-9 the following season. That's how that went. Then you, then you guess what? 2005, 11-5. Guess what? The following year, you went 8-8. That's a 500 record. As a Steelers fan, we'll let you slide with that one. 7 and 9-2007, 4-12-2008, 10-6 in 2009, 4-12-2010, and you placed last in the AFC North Division. Do you understand that the Bengals, you want to talk about history, Bengal fans? Let's talk about history. Let's talk about consistency. Let's talk about the fact that you're the only AFC North champions that ever in history finished first to ever go from first to last. Let's understand your habits about that. Here's a fun fact. You want to come off the hype of your Super Bowl season? You want to break down people's postseason history? Well, let's break it down a little more, shall we? You went 8-8 eight and eight after your last Super Bowl appearance before this past season when you fi- and finished last in your division in 1988. Then you went on to... You know, after then, before that, it was the Super Bowl appearance in 1982. You finished 7-2, you lost in the wild card, you missed the playoffs five more times after that. Before you went back to the Super Bowl again, you lost, you came off the hype, and guess what? You finished last in your division in 1988. So do you think that alone, with your history of failing after expectations are set upon you in a good way, Do you think you should be having all this mouth that you have? Oh, and then let's talk about a more updated day. Let's talk about the fact that you missed the playoffs 10 out of the past 18 seasons. That's right. Since 2004, that's 18 years in the NFL, 18, 19 seasons. The Cincinnati Bengals has missed the playoffs 10 out of 18 of them past years. Six years you went below 500 since your last postseason appearance. Six years straight. Let's talk about that, Bengal fans. Let's talk about that. Do you think that cannot play an X factor this year? 
Do you think that does not boost the egos of your ownership? Y'all have a habit of coming off the hype of one good season and then you just act like you don't got a damn thing left to prove. But oh wait, oh wait, this is when I get to my point. That I was trying to make in the Twitter spaces. But you know. Bangle Nation wouldn't let you. They just try to make it all their show. When in reality. We all know when the lights are on. And the bangle, and the money's on the bangles. We know their history. Their Mr. and Mrs. No Show. And here's why. Here's my X Factor number two. Team coming off the hype of their own fans. To sport media outlets. Now what do I mean by that? I'm not going to sit here and act like the media. I'm not blaming the media for why you would miss the playoffs. I'm blaming. Okay. I'm going to just clarify this right now. The hype that the media is hyping upon your players is going to be the reason. And let me explain more why. They won't play up to their expectations due to feeling as if they don't have anything else to prove because of one good year out of the past six, one Super Bowl appearance in 33 years, three playoff victories. Oh, by the way, Bagel fans, congratulations on finally advancing to an 8-15 record overall in the postseason after your precious postseason run this year. Here's the reality of the case. Guess what? You're not going to be able to do that again. Everybody now got eyes on you. Your division around you, believe it or not, is only going to get better. And guess what? I see it from a mile away. Piece by piece, you are losing pieces. I'm going to blame you Bengal fans in, their, in your media for why you guys are going to miss the playoffs it's plain and simple because who is the ones hyping your players up to feel like they own and they run things after winning the conference once in 33 years and the division once in the past six to seven? Knowing their history of dropping the ball the following year, knowing their history of being the only oddballs to go from first to last. Oh, just like they're the only his, you know, the only oddballs in AFC North history to go to the Super Bowl on numerous occasions and lose. By the way, to a division that before the Bengals went and ruined it, guess what? Since the 21st century, the AFC North was undefeated against the AFC, against the NFC West. That's right. Pittsburgh beat Seattle in you know 2005. They went on to beat you know they went on to beat Arizona in 2008. The Ravens followed up and. You know, gave us the lead in 2012, I believe it was, when Joe Flacco won the MVP. And guess what? Who dropped the ball against the LA Rams? The Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, and because of that, they think they own and run the place. They think they don't have anything left to prove. They think they're just about to just come through the AFC North Division and bulldoze it and ransack it like they kind of did last year when nobody saw them coming. Not everybody knows what's up. And it ain't just the it ain't just the AFC North. It's the whole damn AFC now. But I'm the Bengals. I'm their fans. I'm their media. I got everything in this grandmother to say about everybody else's team because I represent the winning side of that Super Bowl that we're coming off the hype of. I don't have anything left to prove because of one good year, three playoff victories. 
in, in 33 years, an 8 and 15 record in the postseason. There's a reason why, Bengals, you sucked in the playoffs. And I don't want to hear it's just Marvin Lewis. Because you want to know, sad? That man is the most winningest coach in your his in your organizational history. Right there should tell you alone why you should stay humble. First of all, in order for you to run, let me let me holler at you before I get to my third reason why you're gonna miss the playoffs. Why or why I have you right now as an early favorite to miss the playoffs, to be more clarified. Obviously that could change throughout the season, but guess what? I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to. And I'm going to stand on that until you show me some consistency. And then I'll admit I was wrong. And I'll give you your damn flowers that you wanting, But you have not earned after one good season. Give me a break. Let me holla at you. It ain't just what you do as AFC North champions that make you AFC North King. The Kings of the North. It's the consistency that you have within doing it. You think the Steelers and the Ravens are considered the kings of the North because of the, just their Super Bowl titles? It's what they've done in the years, even when they didn't win the Super Bowl, to show you why. It's the consistency to stay 500 or better. Or if, if not like the Steelers all the time, the Baltimore Ravens 98 or 99% of the time. You know, you got to think about all the times the Ravens had losing record seasons because that's how many times they have been below 500, especially under the John Harbaugh era. Now, I'm not saying, you know, the Bengals can't eventually win the Super Bowl. You know what? Scratch that. I am going to say that. You will never be champions. You will never be champions because your inconsistency with winning. You're going to have to show me and everybody else why. Show me what's up when we're when pretty much the lights are on. Everybody's looking at you now because guess what? You're the defending AFC North champions. You're the defending AFC champions. Your media and your fans are the ones that's been doing all the damn talking since January and haven't shut the hell up since. And that's going to be your team's downfall. So that's why I'm blaming your fans. That's why I'm blaming your media because they're putting the battery in your friends, in your players' backs and in your team's back. Y'all Bengal fans, y'all Cincinnati media is putting the battery in their backs to a point that they're gonna bust out here and think they don't have a damn thing left to prove and in reality they still got some little catch up to play in the AFC North Division because yes you went to the Super Bowl like the other two teams here's the reality check you ain't win you did not win and ironically you played a team that came out the same division that the Steelers and the Ravens did beat you know out of, you know did beat to win their Super Bowls Oh, yeah, that's what's up, Bengals. I ain't think you got the code. You have to win the Super Bowl to have say. You have to win it. Why you think Kansas City got all the say that they got? You think they're going to keep hyping a team up that constantly lose Super Bowls? No. They hyped Kansas City up after they won that Super Bowl. And they damn near made their way back. Congratulations by stopping them, by the way. But... Let's get started. Oh, and speaking about stopping them, let's talk about key players that you're going to be losing. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you don't think you have to sign people back all because, oh, wait, we got our precious Joe Barrow, Jamar Chase, and I am predicting that's where all your money's going to go to, and that's not even the beginning to this downfall that's going to happen starting this year because it's going to be a regression year, and players are going to get greedy. They're going to want their money that your butts are not going to pay. 
Oh, oh, I can start there. So why? But why is players going to have this type of ego? Why are they going to sit here and think they don't got a jack squat to prove? Because of your fans and because of the damn media who hype their heads up, put the battery in their back, and have them come on this field with this mentality, and I dare them to do it this year. Oh, I'm daring the Bengals. Look around the AFC. There is nothing to laugh at. Not defensively. There is nothing to laugh at, and I did not see enough improvement on that offensive line this year. I didn't. I don't care what you think you did in the draft or what you think you did in free agency because your little bodyguard, Mr. Bell Collins. Let's talk about that guy. Let's talk about that guy real quick because if, there's a reason why. If you are O-line and you get let go from Dallas, buddy, there's a reason why. He got let go from Dallas. There's a reason why the Cowboys ain't pay him. Dallas is not going to sit there and let go of their best O-line to a team that went to the Super Bowl not too long ago. Two months prior to you signing them. Then let's go back to the fact that, oh, you know, you're, you. this is your fault, Cincinnati media. Let's go to the fact that. This is the same fans and medias who think that they don't need certain players around. They feel as if they don't have to do what needs to be done to keep players around. Losing key players like C.J. Uzmanzah to the New York Jets. Or Ozama. I don't really know how to pronounce his name. Laugh at me all you want, Bengal fans. But I would have the last laugh out of us too. Promise you that. Larry Ojobi to the Steelers. Oh, and then let's talk about my favorite segment. Jesse Bates possibly not playing this year and won't sign that franchise tag that you fans want him to sign because y'all only see him worth as $12.8 million. Are you kidding me? Secondary will have a down year due to his absence, and I looked at this schedule. You're dealing with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. One week. You possibly could be dealing with Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey the following week. And the X factor in why Travis Kelsey was limited in that AFC Championship game, believe it or not, was Jesse, was Jesse Bates. And if you telling me right now that Daxon Hill is going to come in and make an immediate splash to that secondary, you are out your rabid-ass mind. And you need to get into reality, Bengal fans. You need to get into reality. And the reality is this. You are not who you think you are. You got lucky. You're not going to make it back this year. I'm predicting you may not ever see a Super Bowl again in your sorry lives. Oh, yeah, I will go there. I don't want to hear this. All this hype, all this buzz. Oh, I can see it right now. It's going to plummet. You are, yeah, you making moves, little moves here and there, but you're not making enough effort, not in my book, to get back. Because if you think signing one offensive line and getting one out the draft, first of all, you ain't even get the best old line out the damn draft. Let's not act like you the ones who got Tyler Landrum out of freaking, uh, what college was it, Notre Dame or something like that? You're not the one who got him. That was the Ravens. That's who got him. A team that you think you just about to bulldoze over. <clears throat> Guess what, Bengal fans? Here's my prediction. You're going to get set back into reality this season. Sooner rather than later. Ashes, ashes, you will all fall down. 
And that's all that I got to say about this Bengals for the next segment as, you know what? See y'all next segment, because there's another thing I'm going to have to say about these Bengals till I finally wrap it up about their precious team and move on until, well, football season comes around. And I either be saw to be right or seen to be wrong and will admit to it. Either way, you will hear my mouth regardless. So I will see y'all next segment as I will answer the next question that Bengal fans have to ask. That's it and that's all. This has been the Mike Bond with your host, May Shayla. Keep tuning in to the next segment, please. Thank you. Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla, kicking it back at you on this next second to last segment of this podcast episode as I will answer the ultimate question that many fans have on their minds. Um, does May Shayla hate the Bengals? Let me clarify this to you right now. I don't hate the Bengals organization. Truth be told, there's only like two players I can name y'all that I don't like. TJ Hushmanzada and Jeremy Hill. And it's because I felt they disrespected our franchise when they wiped their shoes with our terrible towel. And, you know, just blinked up disvalued it. That terrible towel not only represents the Steel City, but it represents us users. So that's like... I felt that was like putting your face, putting our face on your shoes and wiping them with it and just waving in the tunnel. You know, that's what five and six year old me remembered. And that was just utter disrespect right there in my book. Then let's go with Jeremy Hill, who just said F that towel after he was ripping it up and rubbing it on the floor or whatever. And was saying F that towel, which means he said F us. Well, guess what? F you and F Cincinnati. That's how I feel. Now, let's go on to why I can't stand their fans and their media. Here's the reality check. You talk trash after one good season in the past seven years. You act like you own the place after winning only three playoff victories in 33 years. Congratulations on thinking you're the kings of the north now. Congratulations on achieving in 33 years what Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco, by the way, who are Super Bowl champions unlike Joe Barrow, has achieved their first two years in the National Football League. Congratulations. Because winning playoff victories is the standard as the AFC North champions. Now let's get started on another reason why I can't stand these damn Bengal fans. It's plain as simple as this. You hold teams, other teams accountable more than you hold your own. I got a problem with fans like that because here's the deal. You're not paying to see other teams. You're paying to see your team. You got so many flaws on your team that... Guess what? That Super Bowl has exposed and you have not done not a damn thing to adjust it. Instead, you bring one of the flaws back in Eli Apple over Jesse Bates. And for some reason, you think that was such a great idea, which in reality, it was S-T-U-P-I-D stupid. Then let's go with the fact that. You got so much to say about other teams not valuing their players, not paying their players, being cheap, being this, being that. Well, guess what? If I told you before the NFL cap increasement that the Cincinnati Bengals had the fifth highest 
cat space in football. Would you believe me? Which means they had more than enough time and money to pay Jesse Bates, and they're not even trying to. Then let's go with the fact that now that due to the increasement, last time I checked, they are now ranked number three according to Spot Track. They're ranked number three in cap space. Choosing not to do jack with Jesse Bates. The fact that Eli Apple, you know who practically cost you the Super Bowl, is is on the team and got a dime before Jesse Bates got his extension deal. Yeah, the same Jesse Bates who practically put y'all in that Super Bowl, by the way, with his interception, which led to a game-winning field goal in Kansas City. Guess what? It, it, it See, here's what bothers me. The fact that he Eli Apple got a dime before Jesse Bates is just a slap in the face, and this is the type of BS y'all fans condone. Your media condones. And yet you don't condone it when other teams do it, but you condone it when your team do it, and your team is the one with the more time and money to to not do it, and they do it any damn way. And what do they do? They don't value their players and pay their players like they should. Please, give me a damn break. Give me a break, Bengal fans. Then you don't hold your team accountable. You like to play victim to circumstances you create. Do you not understand that the trash-talking thing you and your media have started? You hopping in everybody in their grandmother mentions, having something to say about everybody in their grandmother teams, like you own the NFL. You run the NFL like you're still 55 years in the league. You're still not one of the titleist teams in the NFL. And with three Super Bowl appearances, you don't have no damn excuse. You just blade up sucked when you went to the Super Bowl. That's why your ass is 0-3. Let's get real here. Let's get real here. See, I have had it up to here with you damn Bengal fans. And then, oh, let's go with the fact that 4.53 in the morning, one of your fans had the nerve to hop in my mentions off of something that was said two, three days ago because I believe that T. Higgins, it was more of him and that receiver cord than Jamar Chase. And now where I'm at it, let me explain that one. Let me explain this. Here's the deal. I say why is more T. Higgins than Jamar Chase, not only because I feel like Jamar Chase has always been around more talent than T. Higgins within the receiving core, because guess what? If it wasn't T. Higgins at, you know, in Cincinnati, it was Justin Jefferson at LSU. We see that T. Higgins could be a number one without help. We see Justin Jefferson could be number one, you know, barely without any help, even though they do have Adam Thielen and, you know, Minnesota, but he's been in and out, and Justin Jefferson was still holding his own. Have we seen that from Jamar Chase yet without T. Higgins? And you know what? That's the type of mentality of why I'm going to say it right now. Y'all want to talk about Jesse Bates ain't getting his money? Guess what? T. Higgins got the same agent as Jesse Bates. So I can tell you where that contract going down. I can tell you where that talk is about to go. D-O-W-N down the damn drain. You expect T. Higgins to not be in Cincinnati soon. Now, now that you got your stupid answers, Bengal fans, you got your answers to why you're not going to make the playoffs this year in my book unless you prove me wrong, which I don't believe you are. And you got your answers to why I can't, it's not your team I got a problem with, even though your front office I got an issue with because 
let's face facts here. They're the ones who find ways to blow it up. But I got a bigger issue with your media and your fans. You the fans because y'all the ones sit here and condone them on doing it. You allowed them to do it. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been my wrap-up segment on the Cincinnati Bengals. I will now be wrapping up this podcast in the next segment as I will speak on the expectations for Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, for this upcoming season. So if you want to hear what I have to say about that, please tune in to the next segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla. Thank you. See you next segment. Welcome back to the final segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla, kicking it back at you one last time on this beautiful Thursday. It's now time to get started on something that I really wanted to touch bases on individually, which is my fellow Pittsburgh Steelers and offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Now that, you know, Big Ben, a.k.a. to what many people would call the problem or the one that's holding everyone back, is now gone and retired... There are now many questions, or you know what, there's not even questions. It's just statements now. It's statements starting with this. We're now about to find out a lot about Mr. Matt Canada this season as he is now completely in charge of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. We're now about to find out more of the truth. Was it Big Ben or was it Matt Canada in the play calling? And in my opinion, it was more Matt Canada in the play calling than it was Big Ben. Yes, Ben was not as mobile as he used to be. But um, I said it before and I say it again. If you came into either one of those two seasons, 2020 or 2021, expecting, you know, Big Ben at 38 and 39 to be the Big Ben that he was at 23 and 24, then this reality that you want people like I and others who agree with me to face, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. You were never in that reality to begin with. I still believe that Ben Roethlisberger still had it. He just didn't have the right pieces. Ben and the Steelers defense last year was was in position to win now. It's just what was around them. You know, with new players, new coordinator, new O-line that didn't really know each other's names, along with, you know, young wide receivers. It was just a young team and a very new offensive coordinator with very questionable decision-making. They just, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers just wasn't. But <clears throat> now with Matt Canada being, you know, you know, being practically in charge of the entire offense, Ben now being gone and retired, you know, thank you for the great 18 years, Ben. Love you always. Now it can be used the way that he wants. Matt Canada, now the offense can be used the way that he wants. Now the playbook is 110% him. It is nobody else. Now he has at least two mobile quarterbacks on the roster that we know that can throw the football. And attack the middle of the football field and down the field more. Within the names of Mitchell Trubisky and 20th overall pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round this year, Kenny Pickett. There is no excuse for Matt Canada this year. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Last year, he had at least three quarterbacks that the play caller didn't work with. It didn't work with Mason Rudolph. It ain't work with Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace upon his soul. And it didn't work with Big Ben Roethlisberger. It didn't. We've seen plays from Ben that, you know, we was craving for the entire year. When we was like, you know what? Where the hell was all of this the entire game? And I think nobody would disagree with that. But... People said Ben could do it consistently. I feel if you can do it to 30 minutes, 30 minutes to 15 to 30 minutes a game, I think you could do it to 60. Or at least, you know, half of the game, you know, half and half, run the ball, whatever. Perhaps you get the point. But the issue I have with Matt Canada, his offense don't run the football at all. And I've been looking up some film where I did not see any of his creativity any of his, you know, offense that attacks down the field, which is why I got questions about the Steelers this year. And that's why, you know, I don't see them having a losing record season because of the greatness of Mike Tomlin and that Steeler defense. But I do see them missing the playoffs by a berth. But that, you know, they could not miss it, though, because obviously the seventh seed will play out well for the Steelers now that they're there. But the AFC is much more competitive now than it was back then when it was only 60. So it's a wait-and-see process. But when people within the organization last year have called out the play calling, the wide receivers outside of Chase Claypool, Juju, Deontay, pretty much James Washington when they were all there, hollering, you know, to give Ben the keys. Who has Steeler alumni like me, Joe Green, Bill Cowart, others saying give Ben the keys and let him keep them. That tells you everything you need to know. And then you even had the defense backing up, Ben. You know, it's 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 a lot of question marks now. So I feel like Ben took a little too much heat because he was not put in the right system for his play calling. You know, for his style of football. Even with the young Ben, I don't think this, you know, this offense would have worked around him because to me, Ben was never a mobile quarterback. He was more of a old-school backyard football quarterback, which means he had the wheels. I ain't going to lie. He did lose them. I think he started losing them a little when Todd Haley's offense was born because that's what caused him to adjust to being more comfortable in the pocket. And eventually he became a strictly in-pocket passer like Peyton and Tom was practically their whole careers, especially with Peyton. That's how I looked at Peyton. You know, that's how I looked at Big Ben. Like, mobility-wise, he was what Peyton Man has been his whole career. That's why I believe that he still had it in him. But that's just me. I can be on my own island with that. I'm fine. Um, point being is this. I'm going to say this. There's no excuse for Matt Canada this year. You got everything. You got an upgrade on the O-line. You got some more veterans who are still young, who are, who are phenomenal. This O-line that was drafted, you know, Dan Moore, I'm expecting to see some improvement from Kendrick Green. It's expected to be moved back to guard. So we're going to definitely see him in his great position as, you know, when he was drafted by the Steelers, that's what he was, that's the position he played in college. Um, you definitely got two more O-line, I believe, out the draft. And then you got your O-line from last year. You got somebody else out of free agent. I believe it was James Daniels. You got a lot to work with when you're Matt Canada. Then you got Najee Harris. You got Chase Claypool. You got Deontay Johnson. So you got Welkins. You got Calvin Austin. You got George Pickens out the draft. That is perfectly, perfectly fit for Steelers football. 
You now got to show us what you're about if you're Matt Canada, especially with Derek Watt, one of the best fullbacks in football, if not the best, still there, still for you to use, and you don't use him. That's my issue with Matt Canada. Steelers football is hard-nosed football, hardcore. Matt Canada's offense, to me, does not define that at all, which is why I said it was time for him to go. But you know what? Hey, listen, obviously Steelers thought differently. That's why they bought him back. They gave him another go around with a much younger and mobile quarterback. Um, I, I'm not one of those that don't think that Ben still had it because he did, in my opinion. I, I think that Ben still had, you know, a year or two left in him and then, you know, to be done up. Ben obviously didn't think that because otherwise he possibly would have not retired. But in the end, Ben is gone. It's now a new era within Kenny Pickett and, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, as is going to be a toss-up, as they expected, you know, to be shopping Mason Rudolph out of Pittsburgh sooner rather than later. All of this being said, there's no excuse for Matt Canada. So, now, the floor for me for Matt Canada, I better see at least a top 10, top 15 ranked offense this year. They have no excuse to be below the bottom 20 this year. I need to see at least 25 or more points a game averaged. Or at least 21 or more points games averaged. That's it. I don't want to see lower than 20. I don't want to see 19. I don't want to see 15. I don't want to see none of that bull crap that we all had to watch last year. Ben is not here no more. That means there is nobody there to blame. There is nobody else there that's going to protect them and is going to be willing to take blame. That means if anything goes downhill within this play calling and within the schemes, it is now all on Matt Canada. I don't want to hear nothing more, nothing less. Period. Point blank. That's all I have for you for this segment of the Mike Bomb Podcast. And for the rest of this episode, I would like to thank you all for listening. I will be back next Thursday as I'll be joined by more special guests. Thank you. This has been the Mike Bomb with your host, May Shayla, signing out. Have a nice day. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast and for your overall support and love. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues, along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support, and see you next episode. Every night and I 
pray Asking Lord let him hear I got something to say There's a fear out there And it's coming your way Don't let it stop you from living for what you were made It's not a dream, it's a destiny Blessed is he when the whole world listens to this mess in me There's a message inside what you get from me A little life, little love, that's a recipe So when the world is crashing down And you feel the weight on your shoulders Try to pick it up but you're steady stacking up boulders Every day's a gift, never miss it getting older Blessing in the struggle, know that you're just on the road to a life you were born to live So I wake up every day and just give it what I'm born to give Everything in me and nothing less While this heart's still beating up inside my chest